Good morning. Good morning. This is Valerie Leonard. I am the founder of Nonprofit Utopia. I want to say thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are going to be talking about the 13 common reasons why the IRS says no. And when we talk about the 13 reasons why the IRS says no, we're talking about this in context of you who are looking to start a new organization and you've gone through the process of filing what we call Form 1023, which is your application for tax-exempt status. All too often, it takes organizations more than a year to go through the process just because they have not properly answered the questions on the form, or they may not have put um, given full information and the back and forth with the IRS asking them questions and then the lag time um, in the mail causes you know significant delay. So I'm here to talk to you about things you can do to avoid the most common mistakes. And before I go into that, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about Nonprofit Utopia. We're the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We have an online community where our members can talk safely about the issues of concern. They can also reach out to one another, reach out to me and get technical assistance. And we also do coaching and consulting, helping nonprofit leaders as well as their organizations become more efficient. All right, so before I go on, I want to share my screen and go into our presentation. All right, so again, there are 13 common reasons why the IRS says no. And like I said before, we're talking about this in the context of your submitting an application for tax exempt status. This assumes that you've already gone through the process of applying with your state. So one of the most common reasons why the IRS says no or delays an application is because you have answered the questions that they asked you using common sense, using common language. And one of the first questions they ask you is the purpose of your organization. And it's, it's only natural for you to talk about the reasons why you started your organization and all that good stuff. But that's not what the IRS is looking for. They are looking for specific language and we'll go into that in the next slide. But it also gets even more confusing because in the state of Illinois, they give you 33 reasons that you can check off, um, or one of which that you can use to indicate what your purpose is. So that purpose may be okay with the state of Illinois, but it still is not going to be enough to pass muster with the IRS. So just because you choose one of the IRS purposes, I mean, one of the state of Illinois purposes doesn't necessarily mean that the IRS will accept it. So it's conceivable that you can have your articles of incorporation okayed by Illinois or even your own state, but not be okayed by the IRS. So here is the language that 
is acceptable. And this is really the only language that they will accept. And this is consistent with the IRS code in our federal law. And it reads, said corporation is organized exclusively for charitable, religious, educational, and scientific purposes, including for such purposes, the making of distributions to organizations that qualify as exempt organizations under section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code or the corresponding section of any future federal tax code. So if you don't have this exact language um, in your purpose, then the IRS will definitely be sending your application back and asking you to uh, not only clarify, but you're going to have to get your articles of incorporation amended. And that's more time because then you have to go through a state process to get that form amended. And then you submit the amended articles of incorporation with your bylaws. I'm sorry, your with your form 1023. The second reason is failure to include language in the Articles of Incorporation that indicates that no insider, including board members, officers, or any other individual will benefit financially from the organization. So remember, this is a nonprofit organization. So that speaks to the IRS inurement clause. And inurement is basically um, profiting. So you can't have inurement. So you have to have this exact paragraph. No part of the net earnings of the corporation shall inure to the benefit of or be distributable to its members, trustees, officers, or other private persons, except that the corporation shall be authorized and empowered to pay reasonable compensation for services rendered and to make payments and distributions in furtherance of the purposes set forth in Article Third thereof. Hereof, no substantial substantial part of the activities of the corporation shall be the carrying on of propaganda or otherwise attempting to influence legislation, and the corporation shall not participate in or intervene in, and that includes the publishing or distribution of <clears throat> statements, any political campaign on behalf or in opposition to any candidate for, for public office. Notwithstanding any other provision of these articles, the corporation shall not carry on any other activities not permitted to be carried on A, by a corporation exempt from federal income tax under section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code or the corresponding section of any future federal tax code or B, by a corporation, contributions to which are deductible under section 170c2 of the Internal Revenue Code or the corresponding section of any future federal tax code. So this paragraph, as is, needs to be copied. Um, don't try to edit it out. Um, every word is important. So copy it as is and put it in your Articles of Incorporation 
when you start your process with the state. So if you have this in your state articles of incorporation, um, that will save you lots of time, many, many headaches. And then the third common reason is uh, folks forget to put language in the articles of incorporation that indicate that you know once the organization closed down, the assets are going to be going to the community to be used for a tax exempt purpose. So again, when you're doing your articles of incorporation with the state, you know regardless of what state you're in, don't just answer the questions that are asked. You got to make sure that you add language, add language to the effect that you have the inurement, non-inurement clause, and then you have to include this dissolution clause. So basically it's saying, again, once you close down for whatever reason, that the assets are gonna be used for a tax exempt purpose. And you have to use this exact paragraph. Upon dissolution of the corporation, assets shall be distributed for one or more exempt purposes within the meaning of section 501c3 of the Internal Revenue Code or the corresponding section of any future federal tax code or shall be distributed to the federal government or to a state or local government for a public purpose. Any such assets not disposed of shall be disposed of by a court of competent jurisdiction of the county in which the principal office of the corporation is then located exclusively for such purposes or to such organization or organizations as said court shall determine which are organized and operated exclusively for such purposes so again copy that verbatim make sure that is in your articles of incorporation another reason that the irs says no is the fact that you know when they look at some of the responses to the questions that you will have to answer it becomes apparent that your structure of the board and the relationships amongst the board members actually provide opportunities for people to profit. And since this is a nonprofit organization, that's a no-no. And when I say people of profit, I'm talking about board members and officers and employees. So here's an example. Uh, I got this from a guide to federal tax issues for colleges and universities. And this is a real life example. Tax exemption was denied to a college that had five family members as all of its trustees and three of them as its shareholders because of private inurement in the form of, quote, constant commingling of the funds of the shareholders and the college. A court found that the college was operated as a business producing or ultimately producing substantial revenues for its operators the net earnings or substantial portions were to be and were in fact distributed to these shareholders for their own personal benefit. So remember, there's a clause the, that says that there's no inurement to the directors of the organization. So not only was there inurement, but the structure of the board suggested, you know, a conflict of interest. And once the IRS um, looked at this, they 
they moved against the college and decided not to grant them tax exempt status. A fifth reason for the IRS saying no to our applications is the failure to include a certified copy of your organization's adopted bylaws. All right, and you got to make sure that you're using a boilerplate for nonprofit bylaws as opposed to for profit. And notice that they said that they have to be adopted. So you need to demonstrate that there was an adoption, you know, that these um, bylaws were actually voted on. And you can usually do that by attaching a certification from the secretary. And two, you need to make sure that not only do you attach the bylaws, but these bylaws need to, in fact, be bylaws for nonprofit organizations. Another common mistake people make is they get bylaws for corporations. And you know that corporations are in the business of making money for their shareholders and you know they can also take the distributions that a nonprofit is not able to under the law so again you need to make sure that you have proper bylaws for a nonprofit and not for a for-profit so remember that the nonprofit is in business so to speak to do good for the community right and the people who are running it can't withdraw any earnings. You know that includes the board members, um, any insiders, any directors, any uh, any people working for the organization. Number six, um, and we're talking about the thirteen reasons why the IRS says no to our applications. The description of the organization's activities doesn't provide enough information or it might give the impression that the organization doesn't exist for tax exempt purpose. And some of the most common tax exempt purposes as outlined in the law are education, charitable and religious purposes. And when you complete your application, make sure you tell a complete story. Uh, you you need to respond in such a way that when when we read, we know what you're doing, we know the what, we know the who, we know the how, the where, and the why. So just you know, if you can answer all of those questions, so who, the what, the where, the why, and how, then that would be a really good indicator that you have uh, completed the story, right? But not only do you have to have the who, the what, the where, the why, and the how to complete your story, you need to indicate how your organization is making a difference in the lives of your clients and the community. So talk about you know, some problem that you're going to have or that you're trying to solve in the community. All right, so talk about the issues, you talk about how your organization is going to address the issues. You talk about the who your organization is and, and what activities you're gonna do, right? And then you're gonna talk about where, you're gonna talk about the community that you're impacting it. And then you're gonna talk about how, you're gonna talk about the programs and services that you provide. And then you talk about the why. And actually you should probably start with your why because your why is going to be closely related to your mission. Remember, your mission tells you 
why you exist. So if you can answer all of those, you're going to be in good shape. Number seven is failure to provide the required information on the principal officers and board of directors. And that includes things like names, mailing addresses, titles, positions, and the annual compensation. So ideally, you're not paying your board members any money. Um, but if you are, you need to make sure that that is listed. So this is a very, very common but simple thing that can be easily avoided. Just make sure you give complete contact information for all of your board members. Number eight, failure to have a director, trustee, principal officer, or other authorized individual to sign the application. So imagine you're doing all of that work, you're rushing, and you forget to sign it then the IRS will send you a letter um, asking you to sign your application. Number nine, failure to provide complete financial data. And the financial data that you give is going to vary based on uh, what it is that you do. But typically, you're going to include three years of financials. And when we say three years of financials, we're going to look at the first year of operation plus two more. And it will also include an opportunity for you to disclose the assets, meaning you know any property, any cash that the organization has, as well as any liabilities. So people that you might owe, right? So you want to make sure that you give them complete financial information and then you want to make sure that this financial information is consistent throughout the application because there may be um, more than one place where you <clears throat> might have to provide the information. And then you also want to make sure that whatever is in your budget is consistent with the story that you tell you know, about what it is that you're trying to do. If there seems to be a conflict with the items that are in your budget versus what you say that you're doing, that could be a, a red flag as well. And then two, you want to make sure that your totals are correct. And you know, and one way to do that is to not only check it over and over, but have somebody else to read the numbers and make sure that they add up correctly. Um, I know that there's a tendency for us to you know, when we proofread our own stuff, we don't necessarily read what's there. We read what we meant to include. All right, number 10, failure to include the month the organization's fiscal year ends. Can you imagine, again, doing all of that work and there's just one little box that you missed and that box says, you know, what your fiscal year end is. And the fiscal year could be any 12-month period. It could be the calendar year, meaning we're ending our, our year of operations in December, December 31st. It could be June 30th. It could be October 31st. It could be September 30th. Um, whatever the organization decides, that's what your fiscal year end is. So you put the month and the day. All right. And that needs to also be consistent 
you know, across the board, you know, if you have that fiscal year end, you know, on the application, it also needs to be, you know, in any financial statement, it needs to be on your bylaws, etc. Reason number 11, uh, failure to attach required schedules is applicable. And this is really important for people who want to start a school or a hospital. You have to, you know, not only do that form 1023, you have to also attach schedules so people understand exactly how your school is going to run, understand some of the policies, you know, and how people understand how your hospital is going to run, etc. But, you know, if you're watching me nine times out of 10, I don't think you're trying to start a school or a hospital, but still be mindful of any attachments that you need to add. And number 12, failure to attach a copy of the Articles of Incorporation or any other document that shows, you know, how the um, how the organization has been organized. And it's not just enough to put the Articles of Incorporation, but if you've had to make any changes to those Articles of Incorporations, we call those Articles of Amendment, those need to be added as well. So there needs to be a complete record of your original filing and any filings that you have in place to make changes in the amendment. You know, sometimes you might amend your Articles of Incorporation just to change the address, right? Just to change the purpose of the organization. And in the event that you didn't describe your purpose um, in a way that the IRS is, is comfortable with or is acceptable, then you're going to have to do an article of amendment, file that with the state, and then share that with the IRS before they approve your application. And number 13, just make sure that you include the money, right? It's not uncommon for people to complete the application and not include the money, and that will hold up your application. So there's a user fee, and it's based on you know whether or not you're doing the Form 1023 or the 1023-EZ. So the full application, Form 1023, you have to pay $600. And then for Form 1023-EZ, there's a filing fee or user fee of $275, all right? And again, um, starting this year, every Form 1023 needs to be filed electronically. And then uh, you have to pay your user fees electronically as well through pay.gov. All right, so if you have any questions, I am opening up the floor right now. Please feel free to post in the chat room um, and I will answer those questions. If you have questions of me uh, that you don't want to share publicly, you can email me at ValerieFLeonard at MSN.com or ValerieFLeonard at NonprofitUtopia.com. If you're a member of the Nonprofit Utopia community, feel free to post any questions that you have about this video in our online forum. I have a number of resources that I can help you with. Now, if you are 
thinking about starting a nonprofit organization and you don't know where to start, we do have a coaching program. We can coach you through the entire process and help you get your form, <clears throat> I'm sorry, and help you get your tax exempt status within 90 days. So that would include um, making sure you have all the forms filed with your state. There, you know, there are a number of forms. We can help you with your bylaws, help you with your first meeting of your board of directors, and we can help you with your form 1023 and make sure that you have a really sound program model before you even start. All right, so if you want to know more about that coaching program, you can email me at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. All right. All right, so are, are there any questions? I don't see any questions yet. All right, um, I'm going to post a link to an article that I wrote, an article that I wrote that goes into much more detail about this process. Feel, feel free to Go to that article on the 13 reasons the IRS says no. And if you have any questions of me afterwards, again, feel free. You can post them here in the chat or you can email me at Valerie F. Leonard at nonprofitutopia.com. I want to say thank you so much for joining us. It doesn't look like there are any questions or comments, but... Um, there being no questions or comments, I'm going to end right now. I just say thank you again for joining us. Take care. Bye-bye.